This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Tim Stenovec. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast, and this is where we highlight one of our favorite interviews, one of the important interviews of the week, or just one of those interviews that it's a topic that everyone has to stay on top of. And one of those topics, of course, is everything that is happening with COVID-19 mm-hmm. and the coronavirus. And this week, we unfortunately saw more surges in COVID-19 cases and deaths. We hit another daily death record. A voice to help talk us through it all is Dr. Chris Byrer, professor in public health and human rights at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. We're still seeing rising cases and, of course, uh, a tumultuous day for our country, but also a record for COVID deaths uh, in the country. Um, And we are expecting still, as as we had predicted, uh, the post-holiday season surge to continue. Um, We're in this very, very challenging moment where we do have a way forward, and that, of course, is the COVID vaccines that have emergency use uh, authorization now. Uh, But we're not going to be able to immunize enough people to start to really blunt this curve. And and the next few weeks and and probably well into uh, February uh, are going to be enormously challenging. You say we're not Uh, going to be able to, you say, doctor, we're not going to be able to immunize enough people. Do you mean in the next few weeks? Do you mean this year? I mean to blunt this current enormous wave. So how will we see this wave go down? Well, uh, first of all, I think we have to stick to the basics, right? Um, We have to really continue with mask wearing, with social distancing, with hand washing. As hard as it is to stay vigilant, uh, people are going to have to try and do that. Uh, We do need to ramp up uh, both manufacture and distribution of the two uh, approved vaccines we have. And of course, we have more vaccines in the pipeline. But as I'm sure you know, uh, we we really had a slow start to the immunization programs and a number of the states uh, really faced challenges. Yeah, the bottleneck is not in the manufacturing of these right now. The bottleneck is in the distribution. We have a Bloomberg vaccine tracker and it shows uh, that a very small portion relative to the number of vaccines that have been distributed have actually been shot into the arms of people. That's right, Tim. That's absolutely right. And it's it's uh, it's an enormous um, tragedy, really. So, Dr. Byer, you know, this is interesting because we've talked about this a lot at home, too, about, you know, we saw this with the November election where you had sports teams, you know, step up and say, you know what, use our stadiums, use so that we can bring people in, get the vote out, have, you know, more polling places. I'm hearing conversations about that or already actions about that of taking some of these giant places and setting them up as vaccine sites. Is that what we need to kind of really get it out into the system? And at the same time, that makes me a little nervous about large groups of people that might have COVID going out there for the vaccine and just got about 50 seconds and then we'll come back and talk some more. Oh, no, actually, I'm sorry. We can keep going. My my bad. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, we we really need a coordinated effort. Um, And of course, We've, we have an allocation strategy around healthcare workers, around the elderly in, in uh, congregate housing facilities, the staff of those facilities. Um, but what we've seen, unfortunately, is that the, the vaccines are moving to the states and out to places where people can be immunized too slowly, uh, too unevenly. Uh, we've, we've seen, unfortunately, the potential for vaccines uh, to expire uh, without being used. That's a great loss. Uh, And, of course, we have to remember that with these two messenger RNA vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer, 
uh, Pfizer in particular, has very challenging distribution uh, uh, features because it has to be kept super cold, below minus 80. Right. Uh, the Moderna right. vaccine is a little easier to use, but they're both challenging to use, and, and they really do require uh, very careful management. Um, and, uh, and, and, of course, you know, what we have is not a national strategy, but 50 different state strategies. Right. And many of the governors are going in their own way. You saw that Florida made the decision not to uh, prioritize health care workers and instead go with the elderly, but without preparing. So right. long lines and people waiting overnight, that's not a national strategy. So my gut says nothing's going to change until we have a new administration. What are your hopes that from day one, Joe Biden and team do in terms of getting this out to people? Well, the incoming administration, Biden-Harris, does have a national strategy on COVID. It's been up on their website. They have articulated that this is the principal priority. They're putting together a great team. Dr. Fauci, of course, is going to stay on as a senior scientific advisor. Uh, the CDC director who's proposed, Rochelle Walensky, is an outstanding leader. Um, so I think we're, we're very optimistic that this is an administration that's going to let the science lead uh, and that is going to try and have a national strategy. But they're inheriting a rollout that's already underway and problematic. And I think it's going to be really challenging to streamline this, to make it coherent, uh, and, and to get it working. The president-elect is committed to 100 million people being vaccinated in the first 100 days. So that's not 100 million doses. That's 100 million immunizations. About 50 million people with these two-dose vaccines. Is that realistic? So that's a chance. Uh, well, it was looking realistic when he made <laughs> the campaign promise. With the rollout right now, I think it's going to be enormously challenging. When, when do you feel like things start to get normal? When do we start to be able to kind of reopen life as we know it and love it? We will have about 50 million vaccines uh, available, so enough for 25 million people by the end of this month. February, March, and April are likely to still be periods where we have uh, more people who want to be immunized than we have vaccines. What we're thinking is that by June or July of 2021, we will have enough vaccine for every American who wants one. Uh, and that that is going to mean that really by the end of the second quarter of 2021, we should really be seeing uh, a change in life getting back to normal. We have trials uh, planned uh, for the pediatric vaccines. Mm -hmm. Right now, we only have one. That's the, the um, Pfizer vaccine that can go down to age 16. But we also really need to do that work uh, and be sure that we have vaccines for children and infants, for pregnant women, for lactating women. So we still have some work to do, uh, but, but the fall of 2021 should look a lot different than the spring. Dr. Byer, one unfortunate element that we've seen with the vaccine rollout has been skepticism of the American population. Not everybody, but yeah. people who say, including healthcare workers, that they don't want this vaccine. Have you received a vaccine yet? I have not because I am a, a researcher and I don't do direct patient care. At Hopkins, we're, we're not prioritized. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that, that I'll be uh, in one of the next groups uh, and, and I'm expecting to get, get a vaccine probably in February. How do we fix the messaging here? 
I think one thing that's very encouraging, you may have seen there was a recent uh, Kaiser Family Foundation poll that showed that um, vaccine acceptability, at least in that poll, was up around 70 percent. That's better than it's been. So we're going in the right direction. Uh, I think it's very important for healthcare workers, for political leaders like Biden and Harris, who both have been publicly immunized, uh, to step up and, and model the behavior that we want to see. We also, I'm working on the COVID vaccine prevention network. We've had a big faith-based initiative to try and address these issues for African-Americans in particular. That community, unfortunately, seems to have some of the highest rates of vaccine hesitancy and skepticism. Uh, and, uh, and we're working hard with, for example, African-American physicians uh, networks to try uh, and improve uh, people's positive sense of, of the benefits of these vaccines. They have very high efficacy, 94 and 95 uh, percent. They're very safe as far as we can see so far. We're following everybody in the trials who's been in these vaccine trials for up to two years to look at longer term safety. But uh, I think, you know, what what we're hopeful about is that as more and more people get immunized, uh, the folks who are saying right now, I'm not ready uh, we'll, we'll move toward getting immunized. Um, for most Americans, uh, it's going to be probably May or June before they really can mm. just decide if they want a vaccine. So, uh, so the folks who are hesitant should wait and look. But, but uh, yeah. as we're seeing, you know. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say this, and I hate to do this in like our last couple of minutes, but there is a story on the Bloomberg. It's an opinion piece, but it asks the question, who's on the hook if vaccines go wrong? And it's basically, you know, given the breakneck pace of production, there are very few answers about what manufacturers and governments are ultimately responsible for. God forbid something should go wrong. And forgive me, because I'm an optimist and I, I believe in the science of this vaccine. But as you said, you guys, the medical community, will we're going to be tracking people longer term to see if there is is any longer term impacts because we still don't to be fair to be honest we still don't know well that's right and and we need we are accumulating safety data from the people in the trials and the people who've been immunized every day uh, we have a vaccine adverse events reporting system that the cdc is managing um, certainly everybody in the healthcare systems who are getting immunized are being tracked through those health systems uh, and we need to follow this very carefully I think it's important to remember that there are always some risks associated with any medication, any vaccine, any biomedical intervention. We all know that. Right. Nothing is zero risk. But the flip side of that is the risk of getting COVID. Right. We're learning more and more about this disease is that, that you know, this, this has the potential to really uh, kill you or alter your life. That was Dr. Chris Byer, professor in public health and human rights at the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. And of course, the Bloomberg School of Public Health, supported by Michael R. Bloomberg, founder of Bloomberg LP and Bloomberg Philanthropy. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to listen to Bloomberg Business Week Radio, airing live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Tim Stenebeck. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.